This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. song is actually is, is important for today's message so I want you to sing it well and you keep it in your mind while I'm teaching today I will sing at the end of the message is that alright how much time is starting By that, I mean that the Lord should help you to be able to receive. I don't want the word of today to pass over your head. I want it to actually enter your heart. I want to just humbly ask for God to help you. That what we're going to say today will actually enter your heart. That it will not be like every other message that you come and hear and just goes. But this one, you will grow by this one. That you will grow by this one. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I will give you thanks. Thank you, thanks. Give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus. Patience by faith. Patience by faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Patience by faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There are some things concerning the promises of God, both as pertains to our common faith and pertains to our particular faith, that are yet to appear. Some things are yet to appear. 
again, remember, as far as our faith work is concerned, there are some things that pertain to our common faith, things that pertain to all of us. There are ways in which we are not unique. And there are ways in which we are unique. Church, are we together? It's important. It's important that you understand this. There are ways in which we are not unique. And there are ways in which we are unique. I remember many years ago, um, when it, you know, there was a time when um, our Christocentricity made us begin to look as believers as if they are just you know, spiritual clones and copies of each other. You know, and then at that time, people say all kinds of things like um, you don't have purpose. Your purpose is to preach the gospel and you don't have any other purpose and all that and stuff like that. Listen to me. There are things that were common faith. So they got that part right, but there are some things that are particular to you. Church, all together. In the same way, in the teaching of faith, there are some things that we do not ho- that we are that that we are confident of that we are hoping for. There are some things that have not yet appeared that pertains to all of us. One of those things is the redemption of our bodies. Hallelujah! The return of our Lord and our husband. Amen. I have a husband. Praise God. Whether you like it or not, I have a husband. His name is Jesus. Amen. Praise God. We are waiting for our husband to come back. We are waiting for our Lord to come back. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. It has not yet appeared. That's why you can fall sick. Praise God. That's why someone can hit you and it will bleed. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Those are things that pertain to all of us. But there are some things that pertain to you as an individual. There are some things that are your particular faith, that are your work with God. Things that pertain to you as a person that are yet to appear. That the Lord will have you do, that the Lord is not having another person do. There are some things that the Lord wants you to do that He's not going to have another person to do. Those things are yet to appear. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want to talk about that this morning. And yes, my wife was right. She was in the spirit. Today is actually going to be the last part of this series. Praise God. And I want, and I want your heart to be here and I want you to really receive. You know, I always say that Hebrews chapter 11 is actually a chapter that was written in a context. So I want to read from verse 19 of chapter 10 and just try and put, shed a little bit of light. Maybe one of these days we should do a study on Hebrews. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that um, the provisionists amongst us and the one-point Calvinists, I'm looking at you with one eye. <laughs> Praise God. Now let me just say this for the record. I'm not, um, I, when I was, a few years ago when it was, um, when it was causing schisms in the Pentecostal body, I was big on making a big deal out of it. Now, I don't, the difference does not really matter to me anymore. Praise God. Every, the, my, my insistence on making a big deal out of it died when I started focusing on apologetics and evangelism and stuff like that. Then I realized that our internal problems are basically semantic and they didn't start with us. They've been around for a very long time. So it was like, whoa, what are we fighting about? Praise God. Anyway, but still, once in a while, I still like to, I still just like to, you know, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So let, let's read, let's read from chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> ah! The writer of Hebrews. No. No. Ah. Hmm. He says, through the curtain that is his body. 
When the curtain was rent on that day, when he said it is finished, his body was broken. So the way his body was broken is the way the curtain was rent. And then through the renting of his, of his body, we now have access into the most holy place. Praise God. You know what? I'm vexed. We must do Hebrews, maybe October 1st. Hallelujah. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, only one entity could be a priest, a sacrifice, and the temple at the same time. Praise God. Only one person could build the temple, be the priest of the temple, and be the sacrifice on the temple. Is the only kind, only the entity that the mere manifestation of him is difficult for us to put in our modal logic. Only that kind of entity could have redeemed man. Hallelujah. So there was, no. Oh, let's just continue. Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. <laughs> Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised, he's faithful. Now, let look at this. He's now, you, you'll see the essence of this teaching that the writer of Hebrews is focusing on. He's telling them that they should hold on unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you see this? He says to hold on to your faith unswervingly so that you don't forget your hope. Your hope. He now says that you should not give up the meeting with one another. This is not my message. But see, give, meeting with one another is one of the, is the way by which people don't backslide and don't lose their hope. And meeting with one another, that's why we need to understand something, right? So this is something I'm really trusting God to help me. And let me just confess to you guys. You guys know I'm a very open person, right? So me, I don't know how to do all those men of God that you don't know me, I'm very open. So you understand. One of the, the, the things I've been meditating for is probably up to a year now, which I'm just, God is just helping me to navigate, is how our ecclesiology, as, as our meeting as brethren, can make as many people participate as possible while also allowing us to hold on to the, um, the value of the preaching of the word of God. Church, I get what I'm saying. Do you understand what I just said? Let me explain. You guys do not nod, so let me explain. <laughs> if you look at all Christians, if you look at all of us, there are different ways that we organize and orient our, our meeting in church, right? The Orthodox people are bigger on meeting in such a way where everybody is participating. When the Reformed people broke out from that, they still retained more of that ecclesiology of more people participating, but there was now more emphasis of the preaching of the word. By the time it got to the Protestant Reformation, everything became about preaching of the word and everything is from the pulpit to the people. So if you actually watch the, the denominations of Christianity and all that, you actually see that trend. The, the closer you are to the Orthodox, the more you see their services oriented in such a way that everybody participates. So the priest comes. When he preaches, he doesn't preach more than 10, 15 minutes. But what he's doing is that he's doing the Eucharist. He's calling, you are responding. You are singing hymns, you are getting involved. All of us are kneeling down to take the Eucharist together. All of us are standing up. So all of us are in church. All of us are involved. If one man is going to show to be a rock star, it will be no more than 10, 15 minutes. By the time the reformed guys came, came in, then they do a lot more hymns. They do a lot more corporate prayer together where anybody can read, but they will have word session. By the time it got to <laughs> our generation, it's just one choir, one man, pray on everybody. Choir, sing on everybody's head. And then one man comes and preach for one hour, two hours. And people will be coming. I don't know what now happened. 
people, you know, in our this thing, will now think that church is about coming to hear word. Don't lie. That's how you used to think. That church is about coming to hear word. But churches, and we say it a lot. We say you have to hear the word. That's the reason why when COVID came, it was easy for us to start forming. We're all doing live stream. Because in our head, even among the ministers, we thought that church was about preaching to people. But actually it's not. Church is about the meeting together of people. We need to find, and we know, I'm, so I'm not going to say the orthodox one is the perfect one. Because coming to church and that, well, let me not say something. So it's not like as if I'm abusing anybody's denomination, right? But you see, preaching of the word is important. That's why someone can be going to mass three times a day and then you meet him on the road and ask him what is the gospel about. He does not know. Because they don't used to preach. They just got to take communion and him every time. <laughs> church, you understand what I just said? If you don't want to backslide, be coming to church. If you don't want to backslide, tell people, all the people that are staying in their house, that's the first step to backsliding. Once you stop going to church, you will backslide. It's just a matter of time. Let's go on. That's not the message for today. He says, verse 25 again, not giving up meeting one another as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. <laughs> Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So the sin here is actually to reject the testimony. The question is, who is he talking to? What you hear what he said. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, if sinning is to reject the law or reject the gospel, if we deliberately reject the gospel after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Let's not focus on that. Let's continue. How much more severely do you, to verse 29, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has retrampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, hmm. who has insulted the Spirit and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his words. Whose people? Hallelujah. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. <laughs> Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. Look at, who is he talking to? Let's just continue. When you endured a great conflict of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insults and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For just in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will, one will live by faith, and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith, are, to those who have faith and are what, you will not shrink back in Jesus' name. Amen. You do not belong to those that shrink back in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. He now says, now faith is confidence in what we hoped for, and assurance about what we do not see. So these Christian Hebrews that had even gone so far 
that they had been severely persecuted for the sake of the gospel. These people had lost all their property for the sake, just it means to lose property for the sake of the gospel. Someone will come and say, just because we're a Christian, they are taking your house, taking your property, taking what pertains to you. He said, in those days, these people still stand, stood firm. Not only did they stand firm, they stood firm with even other people that it was happening with. And he now says, see, hold on to your faith until the end. Hold on to your faith until the end. Because what God promised is coming. Hold on to your faith until the end. And I was saying something. That in this series, there are a lot of things that were explicit about what it means to walk in faith. In the Hebrews chapter 11 story and the examples that these men had. Some things were explicit. But there are some things that were also implicit. Some things were uh, inside the stories that are not, that don't pop out when you read it. But when you begin to look at faith through the Bible, you begin to see those things. One of those things that is implicit in this story is patience. is perseverance. A man of faith, a woman of faith, you're a man, you understand? So don't let me say the truth. A man of faith is a man of patience. A man of faith is a man of patience. Both in our common faith and also in our particular faith. Both in the things that pertain to all of us as believers and the things that pertain to only you in your faith walk. You have, you, you see, patience is an important part of it. And you will see why. You will see why. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's start from verse 4. He says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is found, receive the blessings of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So you can see who he's talking about. He's talking about those who had been enlightened, those who had known the Holy Spirit, those who had received the Holy Spirit, for them to turn back. Now he now says in verse 9, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. So the writer of Hebrews is a good pastor. He warns them of the danger, then prays what is good for them. You see that he keeps doing that in chapter 10, after telling them the dangers. He will now say it is not your portion in Jesus' name. Chapter 6, we will tell them what is happening. Now say it is not your portion in Jesus' name. So even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. Things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that your hope, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. You see in chapter, in chapter 10 verse 35, it says that you know that you should, you should continue to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You see that? He now says that you should show this diligence to the very end so that your hope may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what was promised or what has been promised. So the men of faith in the scriptures had to stay in patience until the end. 
for them to receive. So that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. We want you each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. So that what you are hoping for may be realized. So in our faith work, there are some things that we are waiting for ahead of that actually coming out of faith concerning them, stepping out of faith, actually truncates the fulfillment of those things. There are things that you have to wait till the very end. You understand some things now. There are some things that you have to wait till the very end for them to be fulfilled. You have to wait till the very end. You have to imitate men who through faith and patience inherit what was promised them. Verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. So God made a promise. Like we said, faith is based on the promise of God. Hallelujah. I should make a point because I got into a little discussion. Some of you may have seen it on Twitter. And the thing, sometimes you get carried away when you are doing a lot of exegesis and you forget where you are coming from and how people like you were in the past. I discovered that some really bad information. Please, people, don't join them to talk down Abraham's work, faith work. Don't join people to talk down Abraham's faith work. It's very wrong. It actually dawned on me this week that there's actually no commentary, no commentary about Abraham from the prophets to the apostles that ever called Abraham consistent, inconsistent in his faith or said Abraham did not work in faith. Have you noticed? Go and check. If you see, come and tell me. Maybe I've not read my Bible well. There is no commentary from Isaiah to Jeremiah, through the Psalms, down to the apostles, there was no single place where someone, where any of them said, Abraham did not walk in faith. He was inconsistent in his faith. Where did we get the idea from? Where? How? You are not justified to make commentaries that the apostles did not make. Hallelujah. He says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater, for him to swear by, he swore by himself. So God made a promise to Abraham and that's what faith is. God promises and then you believe. God promises and you believe. You don't cook up your promise. You don't make up your promise. God will promise and then you believe what God promised. Hallelujah. So God promised and swore by no one because there was no greater um, collateral than the fact that the I am says in my name I will do it. Hallelujah. Church out together. Saying, surely I will bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Abraham waited patiently and then he received it. So it was necessary for Abraham to wait until the end, even up to the point where he made the sacrifice of Isaac, for him to receive the culmination, the consummation of the promise that God made to him. Guys, listen to me. There are some things that pertain to all of us. Like, So, you know, because all of us have that common faith, we understand that common faith past, let me not dwell too much on it because we don't have much time. So I want to I'll focus more on the things that pertain to our particular faith. Do you understand that? Right? So, listen, all of us, we have to wait. We have things that pertain to our common faith, the coming of our Lord Jesus, the redemption of our bodies. We have to wait patiently for it. We have to wait patiently for it. We have to wait patiently for it. We don't know the time or the hour, but we have to wait patiently for it. Hallelujah. So we know what this, we know, we know this. But when it comes to things that pertain to your particular faith, when God has promised things to you, listen to me. If you are a man of faith, you must be a man of patience. I remember a message that Pastor Kojo preached many years ago, probably around 2010-ish. I was listening to it back then. And I remember Pastor Kojo talking about how that in his opinion, 
You know, there was a time when there was a healing, healing wave on TV in Nigeria, televangelism thing, when, you know, people like Pastor Chris and Co, all of them were on TV, and then there was a wave of pastors demonstrating healing on TV and all that, people receiving the anointing on TV and all those kinds of things. And, you know, there were a lot of all those healing schools being shown on Nigerian national television and all that. Pastor Paul was saying something. He said that in his own opinion, he felt like the over-publicizing of those things did more harm than good. And he said the reason was because that in Pentecostal Nigeria, people begin, began to assume that anything God is doing is sharp, sharp. Because those healing messages would do crusade, you'll see people kneel down, say, stand up in the name of Jesus, and stand up immediately and everything. And he said that that thing now puts a picture in the minds of Christians, Pentecostals, that everything that God is doing is sharp, sharp. If I'm praying for God, he does it by, if I pray by 8 o'clock, God does it by 12 noon. If he's not doing by 12 noon, you answer query. Because everything was received in the name of Jesus. Rise up now in the name of, if that's what everything was. I didn't understand, man. I'm beginning to understand some things better now. Listen to me. If you're going to be a man of faith, there are some you will wait for things. And listen, let me even tell you the truth. Hmm? Because whether they're abusing me, that you, your own is always pain and suffering. I've told you pain and suffering. I'll be saying other things now. Listen to me. <laughs> listen, let me tell you the truth. The overwhelming majority of the things that have been promised, they take time. If you go and read the New Testament and remove your um, name is claim it filter on your eyes and actually read the New Testament as it is. What you will find is that the overwhelming majority of the expectations of Christians actually are things that take time. So, take it to what I'm saying to you. They take time. Romans chapter 5. Things take time. The promises of God may take time to fulfill. Some will happen instantly. Some will take time. So if, if faith is to know God, know his promise, and to conduct yourself accordingly, then it means that the work of faith is a marathon, not a sprint. I hear what I'm saying to you. That's why it says the just shall live by faith. It does not mean the just will not just wake up one day by faith. Your whole life will be by faith. It's a faith is a conduct of patience. Romans chapter 5 from verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. <laughs> because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Ijima, can you hear? It's not me. He says, you actually glory in your suffering. That means that a believer will be suffering. And you'll be glorying, you'll be rejoicing. A believer will be suffering and you'll be rejoicing. He says, Why? Because suffering produces what? Perseverance. Patience. Suffering produces perseverance. So that means that there are some things that you will go through that you are actually meant to persevere and be patient while it is happening. Why? Because perseverance produces character. 
and character produces hope. This statement, this message here is going to take me two hours if I want to explain it well. It is the will of God that you patiently wait through some inconveniences. It is the will of God that you patiently wait through some times and periods of inconveniences. Let me tell you the reason why. The reason why, there are two major reasons why. The first reason why is that there are a lot of the promises of God that the reason why you cannot enter them is because you are not competent enough. The promises are there, but you cannot enter them because you have not become competent enough. There are some things that you cannot enter until you are competent. That's why God will tell the apostles, I've been teaching you for three years and I did 40 days faith seminar, but don't go and start any evangelism until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give you power from on high. That is when you will not go out. When that time comes, nobody will even tell you. With your own mouth, you will enter tongues and you will scatter the whole city. Wait until you are competent. Wait until you are competent. There are some things that the reason why you cannot do them is not necessarily because in God's sovereignty he has delayed them, but because you are not yet competent. Therefore, in his, in his sovereignty, God will have you become patient so that you can cook. When I laugh. You need to cook. There are some things that you must cook. There are some things that you cannot start until you are ready. There are some things that is no matter of they are holding you back, they are holding you back, or riches are doing you. There are some things that even the mere fact that you have not entered them is because you are not ready. The moment you are ready, it will be like as if all of a sudden everything has become easy for you. Listen to me. Eh? There are some platforms, there are some places that you cannot enter. That if you enter them before you are ready, they will become a curse to you. Do you understand that? They will become a snare for your soul. There are some things that if you mess them up, you might not be able to come back from them. There are some things that can become a snare for your soul because you are not ready. There are some things that if you enter, the reason why it will even be a problem is because even you yourself, the way your own heart will respond to the accidents you will receive will stop you from being able to go back. Look at the story of the man called Moses. Look at the story of the man called Moses. He did something before he was ready for it. When he was ready, he now ran away. When he was ready, they are now saying, go and do that thing you are meant to do. Why was he arguing with God? PTSD. Why was he arguing with God? PTSD. There are some people that are there that will kill me. Please don't let me go. Don't let me go. Now this is the interesting thing that many people don't realize. Moses was the most humble man on the surface of the earth. Do you know why? Because he was the man that obeyed God. So, do you know what actually compensated for Moses' argument in that place? It was Moses was a humble man. When God has given him, they say, just there are some of you. Hmm? God will put hand, leprosy, come out. It's clean, come out. Turn the rod to snake, turn the rod to snake. The fire is born, you say, God, I'm still not going. It happens to you. There's nothing that God has not given you as evidence in your past testimonies, in your experiences that he has used to show you that I'm with you. You will still come and be saying nonsense. There 
There are some things that if you get into, they can actually damage you before you are ready to do them. So you know what it says? It says that you grow in suffering. Do you know why? Because suffering produces character, perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what that means. That means that your ability to see hope, your ability to recognize that there is a way at the end, the ability to keep your hope in God alive actually comes when character has been built. That's why it is children. It is children that feel hopeless. Hey, Jesus, help me. Nihilism, the sense that nothing in this life means anything, is a sign of spiritual immaturity. It's a sign of infantilism. When people have been infantilized, when people are like children, that's when they don't have the ability to look at the world and see hope. That ability, that filter, that ability, that perspective that enables you to look at the world, despite the suffering happening around you, and still see hope inside of that suffering, is something that they cannot teach you. You develop it when you have cooked character. That's why it is children that do funny things like, I'm going to church. Evnia is ready. Let's go to church with Evnia. And the other one, that is not ready. And then she starts crying. You will come with your mommy later. Let me go with your brother because he's already in church. And then you are crying. They are crying. Take me along. You are still coming. Why are you crying? Stop crying now. You will come later. Because from her perspective, it's like the end of the world. It's like you are not coming back for her. It's children that do those kinds of things. That's why it is an infantilized world that is the richest in human history, the healthiest in human history, the most painful in human history that has the highest suicide rate. How do you explain that? Generations where they were dealing with poverty, sickness, war, they were dealing with serious problems. They were not committing suicide. Then you, that everything in your life is taken care of. You are the ones now saying, this world is meaningless. Is there a God? Uh, I was applying for a tech job. They did not give me. God does not exist. Oh, God. Let me just hold myself. Do you know where that statement comes from? Infantilization. You are a child. You have not built character. You have not cooked enough. And that's why God is invested in cooking you. By the time some things happen to you, Eh? By the time some things happen, and then in that same job, that's why some things happen. That nobody can threaten you again. You've gone through some things. If you've gone through some things whereby your parents don't have money, and you're in UI, and you have 500 naira in the ATM, and you cannot take 30 naira cab from Zeke to, the, to UI Hall, because if you do, by the time, by the time you get there, you, you will finish the 500 naira that is inside. So you have to walk from, from Zikor to UI gates to withdraw the last 500 naira and come back to come and eat beans in your room. Someone will now come and start threatening you. Eh, if you don't sleep with me, you will not grow. Ah. In this office. Eh. Is it today? You better keep your work. If it's beans, we've eaten it before. There are some situations that feel genuinely hopeless because you are being infantilized. You don't have character. You have not built resolve. I see this so many places, so many places. I see this thing so many places. You know, you know so kinds of things. 
you, your life is actually good, but it feels like your life is bad. Do you know why? You don't have character. You've not seen anything. And because you have not seen anything, there are some things that you cannot handle. Therefore, you have to be patient in suffering. You will be patient and let that thing take its due course on you. Make you stronger. Make your character better. You will just discover all of a sudden at a point that the things that used to sway you and make you feel hopeless and make you feel lost, they are not getting to you again. The things that will scare you, that will scare you or make you feel like as if there is a problem, you just notice that they are not there again. Church, all together. That's why I say suffering produces, um, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces what? And this is the thing for believers. Whenever God has promised something, whenever your hope is in something that God has promised, it can never fail. God does not lie. God does not lie. If God has said something to you, especially in your particular faith work, God does not lie. It will come. If it is, seems like it is taking time, a man of faith will be patient until it comes. So, you get what I'm saying? Look at James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's just from verse 3. Since, no, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Hey, church, you guys are not there yet. James chapter 1. Let's read from verse 4 again. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? And what? Not lacking. Now, we're going to read the next verse. This next verse, you people in your Christian family upbringing, you always jump to this verse. And it's not a bad thing. You always jump to the next verse and read the next verse. But the next verse is actually written within this context. And what is the next verse? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without what? And it will be given to... (laughs) It is in the place of cooking and perseverance. Hmm? That wisdom comes. Do you know why? It is when you have gone through some things that you will even discover that you are not wise. That's when you start asking for wisdom. So that's why perseverance makes you complete and mature, not lacking anything. One of the things that you not lack is wisdom. <laughs> Listen, there are many things in this life that it is because you are a child, you have not cooked in suffering, that when you see those things, you feel like as if you can do them. You see some things, you feel like as if I can do them. What's the big deal? I can do them. I can do it. I can do it. There are some things that it is when your eyes have opened eh, to what those things require, those things require, that you begin to realize that God, I need your help. It's when your eyes have opened that you begin to discover that God, I need your help. You see that feeling of, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. It's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign that you have not suffered enough. It's a sign that you have not cooked enough. It's when you are young, and because you you've read, you've read uh, the Bible Project, you have watched the Bible Project, you have watched Apologetics more on YouTube, you have watched, you are following them on Instagram, you now see your pastor is preaching, I'm feeling like, I can preach more than you. What is he preaching? As he's preaching, you are saying, ah, that thing he said, if it was me that said it, gay, gay, hey. See, 
you have not cooked. You think pastoring is about coming to preach until you become a pastor. <laughs> you will see people in your office, your boss in the office, just say, eh, eh, say, what are they doing? Say, you, know, say, you should have just done this and done this and this company will have moved forward. Okay. Go and do it. It's when you now start growing and you start getting into the rounds. Let's go back that more. <laughs> Moving this company forward is not by investor vibes. Oh. It's not like that. Oh. You now start seeing interest, board, eh, this one, that one, macroeconomic eh, factors, eh, outstanding debts, legacy issues. That way, I say, ah, wait, 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 what's going on here? He says that perseverance makes your body to calm down so that you can be mature and lacking nothing. The reason why a lot of things you cannot handle them is because you are not yet complete. You are not yet mature. You are still lacking some stuff. So you need to cook. Nobody eats food that is not ready. It's not that you are holding the food back from being eaten. It's because the food is not ready. So that's why when you are going through some inconvenience as a child of God, You'll be patient. Unless what you are believing God for is not the promise of God, then your problem is a different issue. Your problem now is that you need to sit down and be sure that that is God's promise to you. But if it is God's promise, if it is a green light until it is a red, do you know what you do? You'll be patient. You'll be patient. You think that if that thing does not come now, 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 your life is over. But your life is not over. Be patient. When that thing finally comes, you will see the reason why it needed to take time. You yourself will see how that if that thing had come at the wrong time, you will not have been able to handle it and it would have been a mess up. You will now begin to see that God in his endless creativity had done the right thing for it to come at the right time. Just I get what I'm saying to you. You must learn patience. You must learn to build yourself. Let me tell you the biggest problem that this world, not the biggest problem, let me not sound like all these pastors. Every time, let me tell you the biggest problem. Let me tell you the only problem of this world. And it's different differences that we see every time. <laughs> let me not be like all those people. Let me tell you one of the issues that this world is going through now. Hmm? Is that there is a lack of character. The 21st century is infantilizing us collectively. Allow me to make a little segue at this point. We are being seriously infantilized. That's why a 35-year-old man, a 28-year-old man, a 25-year-old man will say, I'm not ready to marry. Say, I'm not emotionally ready. What is wrong with you? And the truth is that it's true. He's actually not ready because he's a child in his brain. Why is he a child? Because the world around us has infantilized us. I've infantilized one thing I just discovered that I said, let me be coming down on when I'm shouting to people, shouting on people. You see, you're 25, you're too, you're too, you're too, ah, you're too young to be getting married. What is wrong with you? It's not your problem. It's because our life expectancy has been elongated. It's not your fault. When human life expectancy was 50, be waiting to 30 before you marry. Your, your family lineage will end with you. <laughs> I mean, you are everywhere now are 30-year-old babies. 30-year-old babies. Some 40-year-old children. 
You see them in management positions everywhere. They are whining like babies, whining like babies, literal babies. Something didn't go my way. Eh, I will not talk to you. I'll be keeping malice with you. Eh, you said something I did not like during management meeting. I'm not your friend again. I will send you mail that you will not like. Babies, 40-year-old man. Somebody's father. Babies. And it's not your fault. Because you are born in an age of social media. You are co-experiencing people's experiences without even actually experiencing it. There's no mentorship. There's no family training again. You are not staying under your parents till you are properly cooked. You are not staying under situations that will make you see life for what it is. People are looking at the world and they are expecting more from the world than the world should actually provide. And then there's so much ingratitude. Ingratitude is another sign of infantilization. Ingratitude. If you are entitled, sense of entitlement, everything must go my way. If things don't go my way, something is wrong. It's because things have been going your way for too long. You're born in an age where things don't go people's way. When things happen, you appreciate them. That's what's happening. And that's why it is this age that is going to mess up everything that they've had. Don't worry, the next series of podcasts, you'll see the one that my wife talked about. See, I'm very cynical. I don't believe in human beings. You people are going to mess up this blessing that God has given us. God has blessed us with so much technology, but we're going to use our ingratitude and all kinds of bad, bad people. We're going to mess it up and send ourselves back to, don't worry, you'll see. Church, I get what I'm saying. It makes you complete. It is in perseverance that you discover what you are lacking. You cannot pray for wisdom until you recognize that you need wisdom. Listen to me. IQ is not wisdom. Did you hear what I just said now? IQ means that you can calculate mass and, and solve complex puzzles. It has nothing to do with how you are going to conduct yourself in this world. That's why the people that have changed the, the course of human history do not have high IQ. You don't need high IQ. Wisdom is not IQ. I get what I'm saying to you. As a child, because you are young, you've got, uh, you've got high, high grades in university and all that. You don't think that that entitles you to run things. It does not. With your degree and your high IQ and all that, Adedibu and people like all those politicians like Beiru, that understand human behavior and understand human psychology. Remember when I was in medical school back then? My professor was talking about Adedibu, the baba that died in Nibado. And the man was talking about the amount of psychological wisdom that they both had to be able to run Ibadan. Despite our, you know, Yoruba people are very independence-minded. We don't know how to accept someone for too long. He said the man was extremely, and he didn't go to school. He said the hardest work he has ever done in his life was to hit hot Amala. That's the hardest work. The, the Amala that was too hot. That's the hardest work he has ever done in his life. And I say, why was this man wise? He said the man was adept at reading people's body language. You come to a place, you say, serve everybody food. From the way you are eating and who you are joining to eat, he already knows which camp you are going to lie among these people. He already knows how he will deal with you. IQ is not wisdom. There are some understanding of this world that you cannot get until you have cooked, you have gone through some things. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? And many of these things, they cannot teach you. There are some of these things that are non-transferable knowledge. Hallelujah. The second reason why you need to be patient is, ah, my God, time has gone. The second reason why you need to learn patience is that even the material world, the physical world around us, it takes time to change and conform to the promise. It takes time to change. When Jesus spoke to the tree and said, no man will eat from you, it was not that day that the tree died, did it? 
Did you not take some days before they came and now so that leaves are withered? It takes, those things also take time. Those things also take time. The system and the platform that God wants to put you, put you into, this world has to orient to make it the way it was. That's why Jesus did not come the day Adam and Eve fell. Jesus did not just come. Baga. Jesus, God had to put a lot of things in line together in perspective. That's another thing that I don't want to geek out um, uh, for you guys. That if I, if, I, if I talk about some things, God had to set up the entire existence of human civilization to be when the Roman Empire had opened the roads to most of the known world before Jesus came. Hi, this thing I just said now. Eh? I just want to you. There is, it's very likely that if you had come before, it would have become a local religion. And if you had come after, it would not have reused the Roman Empire spread to spread the way it did. Do you understand that? All of Paul's evangelism was based on the network that the Roman Empire did. It was like God had been working before time began. The rising and the falling of the nations, of the Israelites, the way the kingdoms were rising and falling. Everything. How the Assyrians rose and fell. And the Babylonians took down from them. And the Persians took over from them. And the Greeks took over from them. And Hellenization. And the Seleucid Empire and everything. Ptolemy leading to the Septuagint. If you see the story, if you understand the story, it's like, ah, God, this time that Jesus came was perfect. Those things take time. That's why Isaiah chapter 55. Let's turn our Bibles. Isaiah chapter 55. It's not the day that you sleep with your wife that your wife will give birth, is it? Is it? It will cook now. It's not the day that you enter university that you graduate, is it? So even the things of the world, they take time to cook and to comply. So you need to have real faith. Not this fake, um, let me faith. Real faith in God, that God knows what he's doing. You have to have that real Christian faith. Not the one of, uh, if I think something, it will come to, it will come to pass. Mm-mm. Have the real faith that is in God. Look at that chapter 55. He says, verse 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return without watering the earth, and making it what? Bored. And making not what? Flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower, and bread for the eater. In the same way, my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So he says even my word, the way it goes is that it will go forth and just like rain falls on the earth and makes it flourish and then bear seed. He's saying in the same way, the word I have sent will not come back to me void. So when God even promises you something, hmm? he said the same way, when God promises you something and his word has gone ahead of you, it will fall, it will enter the ground, it will germinate. Is it the day you plant seed in the ground that fruits come out? Is it the day you plant things in the floor that fruits come out? He says it will surely accomplish. It's a matter of time. Exempt of 46 verse 10, he said, I see, I am the Lord. I will do my counsel. I will do my good pleasure. I call a, a, a bread of prey from the east and a man from the west so that they can do my counsel. The man, bread of prey that is calling from the east and the man is calling from the west, are they not going to come from where they are before they arrive? Will they teleport? The people he has called to do his purpose, they will take time before they arrive. Just I get what I'm saying to you. It takes time. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse, in Roman, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, look at where Apostle Paul talks about God's counsel and the way God works out his will. 
Verse 9 says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their what? Fulfillment. To bring to unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So, even the eternal purpose of God to unite all things under Christ. See, when the times reach what? Fulfillment. Church, are you together? When the times reach their what? Fulfillment. So, it takes time. Guys, that's what I'm saying to you. There's nothing strange. Stop thinking like a non-believer that because something is being delayed, it means it's being denied. That's not faith. You're not a child. Be a man of God. Some things are taking time. You wait for it. I stand on God's word. I will wait until the fulfillment. I will wait until the fulfillment. I will wait until the fulfillment. You are, you see, the believer's assumption is that I'm praying according to God's will. God hears me and he will do what he has said. So I stay till I see it. I stay till I see it. I wait until I see it. Because I know that when the thing is finally fulfilled, all my waiting will be, will be made perfect. It will make sense. The reason for my waiting will be made apparent. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. You wait till the end. If you are praying for healing for someone, you wait until the end. You are waiting for a financial breakthrough and for God to provide the will of God. I've told you guys, and I'll keep saying it, the will of God, he has given us all things richly to what? Enjoy. The will of God for us is that we work with our hands and we always have more than enough to give. That is the will of God. If you don't have more than enough to give, that you are still living your life and you are still depending on, depending on other people and you are not living the dignity that you want. You know you do, you wait until the end. Don't come and start sowing seed for immediate breakthrough. It doesn't work like that. He said, it is the seed you are sowing that is wait, that is going to unlock your breakthrough until you sow that seed. The, heaven of, the heavens will not open up. You wait till the end. God is doing something. God is in control. God is in control. You need to believe in God. You need to know that God is not your mate. God is in control. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Look at from verse 10. Brothers and sisters, and as, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the time of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered, who have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and words, mercy. See, you see that? So you have heard of Job's perseverance and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You wait till the end. You wait till the end. Listen to me. The only time that you stop waiting for what you have asked for or for what you have desired is if God tells you that he's giving you something better. Do you understand that? Until God gives you an alternative, you don't stop believing for that thing that you have ahead of you. You stay there and you believe on it until the end. I, I can always tell you guys, this is the lesson of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but Paul tells us that he prayed three times for that thorn in the flesh to be taken away. So the man was praying. He was there. He prayed three times. And when you know when the apostle Paul says praying, it's not like you people's own prayer. Right? He says, I pray three times that God should take this thing away. He said, I pray. So he said, he didn't stop praying until God now showed up. And now said, I'm giving you something better. What is that thing better? I'm giving you my strength that is made perfect in what? Weakness. And God gave him something better. And the reason why we know it was something better is because till today, none of us can know what the thorn in the flesh is. 
That's why all of us are arguing. All of us, all the theology I've checked, nobody knows what they've done in the flesh is. And we can never know. Do you know why? When God gives you strength that is made perfect in weakness, people will be looking at you, looking for the thorn in the flesh you are crying about and they cannot see it. Did you hear what I just said now? You are the one shouting, I have thorn in the flesh. People are looking at you and they are thinking you are perfect. You are the one saying you don't have money and people are looking at you like one big boy. When the strength of God is made perfect in your weakness, people will be arguing about your thorn in the flesh. It's only you that will know it. That is something better. Hallelujah. Do you know what I'm saying to you? So if someone is sick, we keep praying for the person until we see the healing. Until God now comes and tells us and says, I'm not healing the person, which is unlikely. And when God shows, we will know. But until, until God says that, then we keep praying until we see it. Do you know what I'm saying to you now? Do you know what I just said now? Anything it is, you want to get married, don't say, ah, oh God, let me be my own that I'm not going to get married. I lie. Unless God said he wants you to be celibate like Paul, you will be believing. God will bring something, someone good for you. If God has shown you concerning your career path that this is the line that he wants you, as like I said, um, doors are not opening there, options are not opening there, you cannot see the way forward and everything, but you know in your heart that this is what you want to do. Unless God has said that is not what I want you to do, what for you? No, you do, you stay there. You stay there. You keep building. You keep building. You keep building. You keep building. Before I got into the um, um, sector that I'm in now, many years, I was expecting it. I'm waiting for it. I had some colleagues that have gone there and everything. I'm waiting for it. Like I said, options were not open. Open it. It's like the doors, before you enter, is die. They're extremely hard and very meritocratic. But I was waiting. Waiting. And when the opportunity came, Application came out and everything. It was just recently I was asking some of my boss. I said, ah, Ogazi, am I, am I doing well? I hope I'm doing well because <laughs> I hope I'm doing well. I say, ah, you. I'm doing well. Though. Say, ah, let me just tell you something. Say, the day that you did your interview, you blew our minds, but I've never seen any kind of thing be that, like that before. Say, was that day that we already knew that this one is going to shine in this company? <laughs> I said, thank you very much. <laughs> Do you know what happened? I now remember the interview. I won't lie to you. Even me, itself, when I finished the interview, that day, Satan wanted to scatter my life. That was the day that for some reason, the app, the things up on my phone was not working. And then the internet was not going. I said, <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I'm not joking. That day, for some reason, the, my phone was not working, the internet was not working. I said, what kind of thing is this? And they are waiting. Ha. I said, no, yeah, definitely cannot catch me. <laughs> By the time I pray small, restart the phone. Yes, the internet, must work. Oh, come on, straight to me. When I now, myself, when I finished the interview, I said, ah, I'm Guess what? All the exam, all the things they asked him about, they approached because them, there's not interview, they'll be saying separately. They will ask you analytical questions. You will start approach. They will ask you what you have done. You will say what you actually did, how you contributed to it, how it came out. That's the way you go in the interview. It's not separate, separate. Let's say, yeah, can you call Analytical questions. Guess what? All the questions they asked me were based on things that I've gone through before. That when I was suffering, I was like, God, you do what kind of rubbish boss is this boss? I was like, what kind of use? I'm even leaving this company. I'm leaving. I'm tired. I'm done. All those things. That's what they were now asking me. I was now giving them like, ah, there's nobody like you. Me, self, I know there's nobody like you. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I had not had those experiences, I would not have been able to answer the way I did. I don't want to share some things, you know. I don't want to talk too much in some business. Out of like 1,000 doctors that applied, only one person. 
Only one. You know, you know that person that went out to get us 10 years experience. You can imagine. 10 years experience. There are some things that God wants to compress your suffering. The earlier you go through the suffering, the better for you. Compress it for you and cook you well. <laughs> so that when you come out on the other side, you'll be like gold refined by fire. I guess what I'm saying to you. You'll be patient. You take your time. Trust, believe in God and be patient and take your time. Listen to me. Every time you give up, every time you quit, you are elongating the fulfillment of the promise. That's what I just said now. Every time you quit and you are vexing and say, I don't even believe God, God, you have abandoned me and everything. It's not me you are doing, it's yourself you are doing. Because you are elongating the promise. You are elongating the time for the fulfillment. The longer the stretch that you stay in perseverance, the faster the fulfillment of the promise. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The longer the stretch you stay in perseverance, the faster the fulfillment of the promise. So that's why Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18. Men not always to pray and not to faint. And then he uses the example of a woman. That's, the example of that woman is not to be misunderstood as if God is the judge that is wicked, that likes to take time. The example is in the woman's perseverance. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Luke chapter 18, the example is in the woman's perseverance, not that God is like a judge that doesn't answer people. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And the Bible says the woman stayed and she pestered that judge until it came. Every time you break and go back, the judge has forgotten. You now come again and say, okay, I'm relieving again. And then you now start all over again. And the judge is saying, hey, we now start again. We now start the process all over again. So the longer you stay patient, the longer you stay perseverant, the faster your deliverance will come. This is fatal. This is fatal. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The way I've taught you in the last eight services, that is how faith is. Know what God, who know who God is, what He's capable of. Know what He has promised. Conduct yourself accordingly. Make sure you know what He has promised according to His will. Do you understand? Make sure you don't let, let anybody, anything take you out of faith. Continue to stand in faith. Make the sacrifices that you need to make for you to walk in faith and stay there until the end. If you do so, you're going to walk, you're going to live a supernatural life. You're going to see things happen in your life that you did not think were possible. You're going to see things happen in your life that you did not think were possible. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. Bow down your heads and pray. Pray for yourself. Make sure you actually pray for yourself. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at this excellent church. God bless you. Hey.